Good morning, everyone. This is Garen, and this is Let's Hear It. And so let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. Today I have a very special guest with me. And for those that know him well, uh, they know that there is no amount of praise or accolades that is sufficient. Uh, so for 30 years, uh, this man has served our nation as a Navy SEAL. His unparalleled bravery and integrity has brought him on missions across the globe to take care of dangerous terror. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. I got the wrong notes. Just a second. <clears throat> okay. Uh, now we're set. Okay. Okay. So this man in front of me that I have as a guest on my show today has touched the lives along with his wife and their beautiful harmonies of so many with his love for music, his knowledge of music. And he was actually my high school vocal instructor and during those years under his teaching I I learned quite a lot about myself uh, the abilities that I never knew I had and his use of humor quick-witted and dry was always beneficial in our, the learning of the subject of music and he always believed in his students and even when they didn't seem to have the confidence they needed so that being said Mike McCornack is here today to tell us a little bit about himself. So, let's hit it. Uh, Mike, Mike, this I have a song already ready to go. Oh, I thought you wanted me to play a tune. No, let's hit it is oh. my cue. Oh, okay. You could have told me that. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. sorry, my bad. So I'm going to take this thing off. Not the shirt, the guitar. Okay, no, don't take the shirt off. Yeah, don't you like the, the big bunny picture? It's a cute yeah. bunny picture. Nice. Okay. All right, well, let's hit it. Okay, so we have Mike McCornack with us in the house. How are you doing today, Mike? Well, other than being a little worried, I'm doing fine. I was, uh, I, I, it just occurred to me I probably should have told you in high school if I actually taught woodshop. Uh, the fact that you were singing around the saws was a little bit of a concern. It was kind of a safety deal. But oh. No, I, uh, anyway, it was uh, very kind of you to say that stuff, but woodshop was my area, and I'm wow. sorry you sang in woodshop. <laughs> You as well as Mr. Harrison? You were yeah. with him? <laughs> he was the choir teacher. Didn't you know that? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. I wonder I got such horrible grades in I, choir. I, I was wondering if you'd catch on, and I'm <laughs> glad that you finally got there. Right. So just so our listeners can get a uh, little bit of a better beginning picture of you, can you go through um, as far back as you can remember, like where you were born and maybe some early childhood memories of uh, your youth? Okay. Well, I, uh, it, it sounds completely unadventuresome, but uh, I was born in Eugene, right here in, at the old Sacred Heart Hospital. The ah. part of it I was born in has since been torn down. I think that's a tribute to my being born there, that they decided to do that. Uh, the house I first lived in is like a mile and a quarter from where we're sitting right now. Well, I don't <laughs> think that's there anymore either. I'm starting to wonder about this pattern that's emerging. Um, yeah, but I was I was a Eugene kid. Um, I'm, I think, depending on which grandparent or great grandparent you go to, I'm a fourth generation, uh, born in the state. So we go back a ways and uh, feel pretty connected to being here, which is one of the reasons I'm still here, because I'm afraid they wouldn't let me go anywhere else. <laughs> but no, I did I did uh, was born and raised here. Went to Willikinsey Elementary School, which is worrying me yet again because they tore it down a number of years ago. Oh, no. Over here on Willikinsey Road. And uh, back then it was grades one through six, no kindergarten. So I did go to um, uh, kind of a pre-kindergarten thing in Springfield over Lameline Park District oh. with a lady who played the accordion, which was kind of cool I, and made life interesting and I think may have affected my future in, in some way that I thought the accordion was actually a cool thing. Um, School-wise continued. I, I, I just went straight through where you go to school if you live in one place. I went to Willikinsey Elementary School, Cal Young at that time, junior high school, which mm -hmm. 
you're going to take a guess and be right. They've torn it down. Uh, it's replaced with a new one. But Oh, okay. I was going to say it's still there, yeah, I thought. Yeah, Spade County Middle School okay. is still there on the same piece of property, though not on the same location. Oh, okay. And then I went on to Sheldon High School, which they haven't torn down yet, which is very fortunate because my daughter teaches there. So <laughs> were they to tear right. it down, it would be kind of a problem for her to get to work. Right. Um, and then my schooling after that became more bizarre, just... I, I did eventually finish college after 13 years of uh, doing various things. But um, early, early memories around here, um, most of my memories center around my, my family. I had a very tight family growing up, mm -hmm. uh, two sisters and a brother. Um, and my, my parents were very, very involved in all of our lives. And so we, we all hung out together an awful lot, did all those things you do if you live in Oregon camping and going to the coast and fishing and well I was never a good fisherman I was uh, I always thought it worked better if you didn't put anything on the hook or better not better yet not put on a hook oh there you and go you just watch the bobber for a few hours and then come back and report they're not biting today <laughs> um, but uh, yeah we, we had, had a real tight tight family which was very important very musical family which was oh. uh, kind of no surprise probably to anybody who knows me right uh, grew up with a piano in the house a guitar in the house Everybody sang, uh, not to sound like uh, the good old days were a terrible kind of a thing, but we had no radios in our car when I was growing up. Sure. So what we did for music is we always sang. It was just kind of a thing you did and wasn't a weird thing to do. It was just what you did. We did four or five, six-part harmony in the car, not always in the same key, but mm -hmm. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of singing went on in the car. You had a brother that played the guitar, too. Yeah, I did, and do. He's do. Still, still at it, and we still get together and play once in a while. He still plays pretty regularly. Right. Uh, Tim is his name, and he was a, a super fine guitar player, great singer, and great songwriter, and, and uh, fortunate we get to get together. When we get together for family things, it's pretty common that the guitar cases come out, and, uh -huh. and we make a lot of noise and annoy the family. <laughs> well, that's important. Music is, it ties people together. It's just always been there. And it's one of those things I've never thought about until I start thinking about the fact I talk to other people who didn't grow up uh, in some cases with music in their household. And I go, oh, it's a little unusual. Right. But I guess it's not. Right. And how many, how many siblings did you have then? Uh, my, in addition to my brother, I've got two older sisters, uh, both of whom uh, were singers Oh, and wow. both of whom played piano a little bit. Uh, one of them continued, in fact, still plays. Wow. Um, but, um, and everybody read. That's the other thing that's hugely important in our family. We just always had hundreds of books and magazines and things around. It was, it looked a little like a library that it had, had a cyclone hit it. Oh, wow, yeah. Moment. Well, that's good. I love to read, too. Reading is, opens up worlds. It does, indeed. So, you mentioned uh, college. Did you, you ended up going to college, correct? <laughs> Yeah, uh, in a roundabout way. I, I had always intended to and was, in fact, going to go to college either as an English major or an electrical engineering major. That was the, the choices. Wow, that's quite uh, a span of, yeah. We're pretty broad there. And then yeah. uh, uh, got involved playing music uh, professionally, actually rather young. When I was in seventh grade, I got into a group that got hired to play music. Seventh grade? Seventh grade. Wow. Yeah, so uh, with few other friends and we we played for various schools and the community centers and churches and whoever would have us and give us money which a lot of people were willing to do so we were doing that all the time and That's i just great. kept that going uh after the band stopped playing together i started doing it on my own at a local pizza parlor which is how i ended up not going to college right away well actually i did go to college right away but not for long i hmm. ended up getting hired to um play uh well i should mention that Somewhere in there, like right after high school, uh, I ran into my wife, who wasn't my wife, by the way. When I ran into her, she was not married to me. Oh, uh, well, that's good. Yeah, we'd apparently had different backgrounds. We weren't aware of one another. Huh. Um, but no, we, uh, was, I think it was actually the end of my senior year of high school. I was playing in a local restaurant where I'd been for a couple of years, and uh, I developed laryngitis. Have you heard of laryngitis? Uh, I think I met him once. Yeah, he's. I, I think he's. He's either Greek or, or Roman. I'm not sure which. Right. Anyway, he doesn't talk much. Does not talk. He's very very quiet. But I had laryngitis, and and I didn't want to quit my job. So, I had a friend who told me about this girl who sang. So I invited her to come sit in and help me out for a couple of weeks while my voice got better. Sure. And uh, she hasn't left, and that's now been 51 years of uh, singing music together. So I'm, I'm guessing this is your wife. 
I guess. Oh, okay, good. Fact, yeah. I, I'm guessing it's my wife too, and <laughs> hopefully we both guessed correctly. Because right. if not, I may get kicked out of this house <laughs> shortly for right. <laughs> impersonating a husband for a lot of years. Yes, who also has a very beautiful voice. Yeah, and yeah, I would have to say that if, if your rating voice is in the household, I come in a distant number two. I, 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 I place, but right. she's got the beautiful voice, which has always been beneficial right. to me because I get to hang out with that voice. And and it's not very often that two people can sing together that blend as well as you guys do. Your, yeah. har your harmony is amazing. So That was a that was a, a sheer luck kind of a deal. Um, in that when we started singing together, we did recognize the fact that the voices blended. And uh, so we we took advantage of that. We just always have worked out our harmonies to uh, to play into that blend. And it's th the other cool thing is it's it feels good to do when you're when you're singing together with a voice that, mm -hmm. that works. Oh, it does. It's a great feeling. Yes. Yeah. So you, I mean, you talked about how you were are pretty much a Eugene product. I mean, do you do you have friends from your childhood that you still are in contact with today that are still around? They haven't torn them down, right? <laughs> well, sadly, a few of them haven't torn down, but oh. yeah, there are a couple. Uh, actually, two of the people that I have known the longest in my life um, are people I I remember either first or second grade being in, in school with. Uh, one of them is a fellow named Steve Halberg who. Uh, still lives in Eugene as well, wow. and uh, is um, an avid tennis player, but was a piano player as a kid also, and baseball player. He and I played baseball and basketball and football together. Uh, his dad was a uh, mathematics instructor at Lane Community College. And another friend uh, whose name is now Karen Gilson, Karen Cagle, when she was in elementary school. And uh, she frequently got in trouble in class of the second punch theory where I would make a silly comment and she would laugh and get in trouble for giggling in class mm -hmm. when in fact it was my fault for saying something ridiculous that caused her to giggle. But <laughs> she also coincidentally was a piano player. He is a piano oh. player. And uh, though she did not play baseball and basketball with us quite as much, um, she's a, a remarkable person and, and uh, we've run into each other off and on over the years at various musical things. She's still very involved in, in that. Did you uh, did you play any sports as a kid? Did you were involved with a? Uh, yeah, I honestly uh, had I gotten my way uh, as a kid, I would have grown up to be a baseball player. Oh wow! And you know, and then my off season, I would have done football. Uh, it was life was pretty much all baseball for me as a kid. I just uh, that's that's what I did in my spare time. I lived in an area where. There was a beautiful little baseball field within walking distance, and my neighborhood friends and I would go down there and played all those imaginary baseball games that you do when there's not 18 people to mm -hmm. do an actual game of nine against nine. But, you know, we did all those crazy fly-up games and sure. just doing grounders and just taking turns hitting the ball. So, yeah, I love, yep. love baseball and love, love football. And I played basketball, but not, not quite as much. Right. Uh, later on in, or in middle school, I did track and field, which I enjoyed uh, – throwing the discus and, and shot put, tried to hit my coach, but never did, so I finally <laughs> right. gave up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Baseball is one of those things you can that you can play almost your whole lifetime. And, I mean, I, I played baseball a lot with my brother, but it was more more like me throwing the ball up and hitting it, and he would run and get it. Yeah. <laughs> but it was still, I mean, there's two of us, it was still a baseball-like activity. But We, we played that game, yeah. One right. person hits, the other person chases the ball right. wherever it went. Right, because yeah. we didn't have a dog that would chase it. So, <laughs> so um, I do have to tell you one anecdote regarding that, which is, I, you know, after I got involved in music, uh, playing it all the time, I, the sports kind of fell out for quite a long time, and then... Um, in boy late 90s when my son started getting interested in baseball i i had not paid attention to baseball in years and years and years and years and uh, there was a season where um mark mcguire sammy sosa and ken griffey jr were all vying for a uh, home run record and it was just a pretty exciting season mm -hmm. for home run hitting and so my son andy expressed an interest in going to a pro baseball game and it occurred to me at that point I had never been to a pro baseball game other than hmm. you know um, minor league here in Eugene sure so I took him to a uh, game up in Seattle with the Mariners and um, yep got up there and beautiful sunny day as sunny days can only be beautiful in Seattle yes it's incredible up there when yes. it's sunny walked on to the field uh, up there which at that time was called Safeco mm -hmm. with my son who would have been I don't know 14, something like that, 
and saw my first professional baseball stadium and the beautiful green field, and we're standing up there at the top of the stairs, and all of a sudden my son looks up and his father is just blubbering, crying. I, I could not stop it. I was just so overwhelmed by what a beautiful thing it was and the realization of a childhood dream that I had never um, realized as a kid, and I'd kind mm-hmm. of forgotten I had, and when I finally got to it, it was pretty pretty exciting and i've i've not let go of baseball since i still Mm -hmm. go to as many games as i can we're going to a mariners game later this summer and right still still love it yep i experienced the exact same thing when eric hyman Mm -hmm. and chuck hyduke and i we all met up in olympia and then we went up to uh, seattle to a couple mariners games over a weekend Mm -hmm. and it didn't even hit me even standing in line with our tickets and uh we went up and over the edge and looked down on the field, and I just stopped, and my body was shaking <laughs> just at the enormity of the place and how beautiful the green field was and all the players out there warming up. And uh, it, it just hit me like a brick. I said, this is amazing. I've never done this before, and I don't want to, I want to leave. <laughs> I wonder so, if they have something at the top of those stairs. Maybe you and I both got zapped by the zapper that they had. Right. You know. It's an invisible uh, yeah. fog that they pump out. <laughs> Makes you nervous and shaky, yeah. and yeah. Little guy behind a one-way mirror, and he's sitting there laughing at all the people that had right. the experience. Yeah. Yep. And on that first game, it was one of the few perfect games ever pitched, not by Seattle, hmm. by the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. So, unfortunately, <laughs> it wasn't the home team that did it, but... Wow. Yeah, so we got to witness that, which was kind of kind of fun. So. I've never seen a perfect game. I'm, I'm going to go into the other room for just a while and and uh, be quiet, if it's okay. Just, right. Yeah. <laughs> So let's go back to uh, shortly out of high school. Uh, you talked about uh, you, know, you had a job as a young as a youngster, but what other kinds of what kind of employment or jobs did you have? Did you work locally here? Uh, yeah, I I actually the the family it was just kind of a thing. Everybody worked when we were growing up. We especially summers, right? And anybody who grew up in this valley in the '50s '60s. Uh, you picked strawberries and you picked beans, and so I did that growing up from the time I was a tiny person hmm. until I got to the place where I wanted to do something else. Where, my did, mom, where did you pick strawberries and beans? Well, it was a number of different places. And my mom was um, one of the, what they called bean bosses in the bean field, which oh, she was one wow. of the people that ran the crews and mm. was in charge of all these school kids who picked beans and stuff. Mm-mm. So I couldn't get away with anything. It was kind of rough. <laughs> um, but yeah, pick, picked them. Uh, one of the yards was called Wicklands, and it's kind of out now where Peace Health Hospital is. Uh, the Rice family uh, had fields around here for years, picked for them. Um, I remember Wicklands. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they kept, uh, in fact, they went into kind of a um, boutique bean business where they sold, sold pickled beans to high-end markets. Wow, those at are a, good. Yeah, at a very high price, so it was mm-hmm. very good for them. But yeah, we did that. Uh, I got a job. My first job away from that, um, I got a work permit and was able to go to work for an animal hospital. Uh, my sister worked for an animal hospital in town, which, by the way, has been torn down. Oh, my uh, goodness. Eugene Animal Hospital, uh, which I think the business still exists, but somewhere else. Um, I worked for them, Kennel Boy, which basically means you scoop up stuff that cats and dogs do. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> and got to assist in surgeries and, and help with treatments, things like that. But uh, later on, went to work for Sears Roebuck. Um, part of the time, I was Winnie the Pooh when they were doing promotions, wearing a, a, an official Walt Disney Winnie the Pooh suit. Uh, the rest of the time, I worked all around the place. I was a part-time janitor. I did paint, stocking. Um, hmm. I think I was pretty much just, I was kind of a gopher for whoever needed help in Sears. The guy who did the windows would have me carry stuff to the windows. You were a stalker. Uh, yes, I was a stalker, so watch out when you leave here. <laughs> Do not look in the rearview mirror for right. very long. Uh, let's see, in addition to that, I think, well, after that's when I started playing music for money, and I realized I made more usually in one night uh, playing music than mm-hmm. I would do in a week doing other things, and so right. that became rather attractive. And that also leads to the why I didn't go to college full-time right away thing is uh, my wife and I, playing at that time, got offered a, a job playing music six nights a week, five hours a night for the Thunderbird Red Lion chain. And also it involved traveling. So we would go uh, to various cities, play six weeks of six nights a week, have one day of travel, go to another city, do the same thing over and over. And uh, 
we, we were, in fact, making a, a good income. I made more money doing that than I did many years later when I finally got out of college and, and started teaching. Wow. Uh, but, um, no, it was something we enjoyed doing. But it also made it tough to go to college consistently because I was not in one place very long. Oh, yeah, totally. So I would go to college when we were parked for a few terms and, and I ended up with, I think, 145 or 185 more credits than I needed to graduate eventually. Mm-hmm. And it was never things that stuck together to make a degree until I finally finished in education. Oh, wow. But, uh, it, but I've been playing music the entire time. So when people ask me what I did in those years, I say I, I played music and occasionally went to college. Right. Well, you know what they say, you know, you, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So. And I've never worked a day in my life. Right. So, other than scooping poop and stuff like that in the animal hospital. Oh, you didn't love to do that? Well, no. After it was over, it's kind of like hitting yourself with a hammer. When it's do- done, you say, wow, that sure feels good to stop. Yeah. <laughs> this is true, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about your wife. How okay. did you? I mean, you kind of touched on how you met her, but <laughs> you guys together have, you created, I'm not sure when exactly, you created the Mike and Carly McCormack duo, yeah. but... You, I mean, obviously, you went on tour and toured different places, but you started creating uh, these these children's songs and children's songs albums. How did that come about? Is this where did you come up with this idea? Is it because you had kids and you wanted to create more better music, or well, that, that, yeah, that's pretty much it. We'd been we'd been recording. Part of my checkered uh, pass was during the years when when I was going to college and we were playing music. I also worked for a recording studio, so hmm. we were able to get into the recording studio at a at a uh, very favorable rate, and we did a lot of recording hmm. of things early on that we had written, um, and we sold some songs to well, uh, Buck Owens' organization, the country music guy, right? Um, and p- released one adult album on our own, and we have to call it adult because we have the children's ones too. It wasn't XXX kind of a. <laughs> Um, Thank you. <laughs> anyway, we, we, we did that. And then you're exactly right about when the, how the children's stuff came along. When our daughter arrived and we started buying music um, to play for her, recorded music, I would say the ratio of stuff that was total direct to stuff that we thought was music we could listen to was about nine to one. I mean, yeah. for every nine recordings that we couldn't stand would be one that we really enjoyed and could, could play. Yep. I and agree. as you well know, being a parent, um, when children play music, they don't play a recording once no. and go do something else. No. They put on the recording and play it 43 times <laughs> while doing other things yep. every day of the week. And yep. when they go to bed, sometimes it's the same recording over and over. So, no, we did discover that there was that problem of we had to come up with something that we could stand to listen to. And there weren't a lot of folkies doing what, what we did in children's music that we felt didn't talk down to kids. So that was really our goal, was to, to do children's music at the same level that we did our adult music, mm-hmm. just for kids. And it was really, we thought, as much for the parents as it was for the kids. We wanted right. to do something that parents could stand mm-hmm. to listen to over and over and over. In fact, it was, in fact, those those albums that you and Carleen wrote, um, we we bought those CDs and our kids listened to them and they grew up loving those songs. <laughs> so when they got to the point where they could sing the words to songs that were in their head, they were singing the lyrics to those songs. <laughs> and I thought it was great. I mean, because these were great. We, we put them on little CD players by their crib when they were little and yeah. let them listen to them. No, it's always a mind blower for us because oftentimes the, the kids don't pay any attention to who's doing the music no. or what the music is. No. They just know it's there. And we did have the experience one time of standing next to somebody in a grocery store, and I started talking, and this woman turned around and looked at me and said, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> I told her my name, and she says, do you sing? Oh, said, wow. Yes. Yep. And then she started stuttering, and, and I go, boy, well, I used to listen to you. And it was just, we'd, we'd never met, didn't know who she was, she didn't know who we were, but it was, she recognized my voice talking, mm-hmm. and, and it, was, it, was, it was very touching, and at the same time, kind of mind-boggling that somehow she was carrying our voices around in her head all these years later, right. though she was a, an adult herself. Wow. And, you know, later on in my daughter's life, I think she was probably 11, maybe, mm-hmm. and she saw me looking through our wedding album, and there was a picture of you and Carlene in there. <laughs> and for the listeners, Mike and his wife, Carlene, sang at our wedding. They sang a song of our choice, and it was done 
amazing. It was not out of tune, so it was great. <laughs> and not a children's song. And not a children's song. <laughs> so they sang at our wedding, and my daughter asked who that was because she didn't recognize that yeah. as a family member. And I, I told her who you were, and I said, all those songs that you know from those CDs you listened to as a little girl, that's him. That's her. <laughs> and it was mind-blowing. Wow, they came to your wedding? I said, not only did they come to our wedding, they sang. So that was neat for her to see that, you know. So, yeah. So I mean, And then you guys still tour around today, don't you? you we, and your wife. we still, with, of course, the exception that everybody's been doing nothing the last two years. But, yeah, we still still play, exactly. still do both kids' things um, and adult things. Um, one of the constants in our lives has been a, a teddy bear's picnic we do every summer uh, with the Friends of the Eugene Public Library, which is a family picnic where people just Aww. get to come, bring their food, bring their teddy bears. The library has their big people with or bears with people in them right. to walk around, and, and it's a, just a big party, picnic party we play for every year. And even during COVID, we did that. Uh, one year was from our backyard uh, via oh, a, wow. a video broadcast, and the second year was live with a video broadcast. But, no, we've been doing that for 28, 29 years, something like that. Wow. And, but, yeah, we still still do it, still can't not do it. It's just part yep. of what we do. Yep. Yep, I've actually been to see you guys were at the Cresswell place one time. I went there with my mom yeah. and dad to watch you guys sing, yeah. and I was still amazed at the – I think your brother was at that one too. He pro he probably yeah. uh, came in. We also have a fellow cellist that comes with us you might have seen. Too. Oh, maybe that's who yeah, I'm thinking of. Playing, that guy named Dale Bradley that we've played with. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, he's superb. He's played with Dale since 1989 and along with another fellow named Kevin – McCornack, he's a okay. second cousin oh. who plays with us sometimes. Generally, it's small adult gigs. Kevin's often not there just because there's not room, and a lot of the stuff he plays is on the kids' stuff, so right. he's not as present in some of our adult music. Yeah, the cello, the cello is such a beautiful, it's always been one of my favorite soothing sounds. Yeah. Especially the, the orange cello. I really like orange <laughs> in the summer. It's well, red. with, uh, with uh, oranges in it, it's especially good. Right, yeah. and whipped cream and stuff, yeah, so no. yeah. Top, top notch. Right. So as far as kids go, I mean, you wrote these songs for your kids. Let me let me hear from you about your – you have two kids. Yep. Two amazing kids. Both <laughs> both your kids are such unique and neat kids. So how old are they now? Well, let's see. Uh, Megan was born in 1984, and, okay. which was my first year teaching. Okay. And uh, so let's see. Doing the math, that's going to make her – this is a two, six. She'll be – um, 36 this December. Right. Uh, no, 38, 38 this December. Right. Our son Andy was born in 1986. So he's the one who's going to be 36 this September. Right. Yeah. And they both, um, they both grew up around, you know, musical parents and, and, uh, kind of like I was growing up, they, I think just assumed that everybody had family that just did music all the time. So mm -hmm. they never thought twice about it. Right. And both of them are musicians. Andy, uh, is a phenomenal drummer. Yes. He's also an amazing singer, though getting him to sing is not easy to do. He'll, really? He'll I did not it. know that. Yeah, he'll do it for his nephews, and and uh, he'll sing with friends. And and our daughter huh. is, uh, yeah, she's she's a choral director and, uh -huh. uh, and uh, an amazing singer on her own behalf and, and has, has been doing it her whole life. And, and yeah, both of them. Uh, and piano oh, player. Oh my God! Yes, she plays great piano. She, oh my she goodness, is a phenomenal piano player. Mm -hmm. and, uh, no, when once in a while we get to play with the two of them, and we're always blown away that we have kids who are better musicians than their parents are, and we're right. pretty pretty cool to watch it happen. Right. But my son, actually, for a living, he'd, he'd rather not do music for a living, and and he's a uh, computer programmer. Right. Which is fun for me because my the last. 18 years or so of my career, half of my job was teaching music and half of my job was teaching technology. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, my son yep. is now a technologist and my daughter is now a music teacher. So I well, think they go. just kind of took their father and split him in half. Right. You know, it, it had been so long since I had seen Andy and I saw him about a year and a half ago or so at yeah. Cha-Cha's. And <laughs> he was standing in there and I stood in there. We're waiting for our food. And I looked at him and he looked at me and I thought, man. He looks so, you know, and then he and then he kind of smiled as I looked at him like the fourth time. Yeah, and I walked over and I said, "You're you're Andy. You're Mike's son, Andy." He said, "Yeah." So we started talking, and I said, "The first thing out of my mouth was kind of those one of those foot in the mouth things." I said, "And you're at at the U of O." He goes, "Actually, I graduated twelve years ago." Like, <laughs> okay, 
have a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, I'm, I'm getting old moment, but. Um, <laughs> we yeah. all have those. Yeah. yeah. He also is a very distinctive looking human being, and he's got beautiful red hair, hmm. which uh, most of my family is either red haired or blonde. I'm the oddball, which, which is odd yet again. I used to have dark, very dark hair, and now it's very white. But no, Andy has people who remember him from when he was two, uh, even though they haven't seen him sometimes in 30 years because of his hair color. Right. Eric, are you there? I'm here. Ooh, I there, don't know I there, recognize Eric. that guy. Finally. So you're on the air with uh, Mike McCornack. Mike McCornack, my friend, how are you? Eric Hyman, doing great. Good to hear your voice, dude. You too. You too. <laughs> awesome. So I don't know if Garen knows that you and I have uh, played together a few times in the last few years. It's well, been yes. it's been long distance, but we've done it. Yes, true. Yeah, no, and we've taken advantage of the technology to uh, to play some music together. And I have to say that I was very excited. And oh, can you guys still hear me? Yeah, yeah, actually, you're there. He okay, just Im he improved you. Okay, oh, there. I was going to say I got really quiet. Um, I wanted to tell you, Mike, how much I uh, appreciated uh, your contribution to that. Uh, album and that was just uh that, that was really special for me so i i want to thank you for that oh definitely it was a blast to do it's uh, you know yeah. a co combination of my kind of my two areas i got to play play techie and got to play guitar and and uh, yeah it's, it's a lot of fun good so, tunes too Great so tunes. so just so our listeners know eric uh is is a friend of mine and a former student of mike mccornack's also and he is a musician himself uh, with several different groups with recordings and one in solo album and so mike mccornack actually uh, assisted in one in one on one of those albums, and that's what he's referring to. So, yep, yep, it was great. So basically, what happened is I sent tracks down uh, via whatever technology we used. I'm I'm not a techie guy, so mule. I'm pretty sure. Guys. Okay, all right, and and Mike, you uh, basically just put down your own music via your own creative outlet, and it was just absolutely perfect. Cool. Yeah, it was really, really kind of fun to do. You know, we, we, I'm used to disembodied humans that are in the studio, you know, they laid down a track a few minutes ago and you go in the, and then do your part while they're sitting in the control room. But that, that's, I think, the first time, Eric, that I had done it uh, where it was coming from, you know, another city and state, which was very, yeah. very cool. Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah. So, all right. So are we ready for my, my question? Oh, you, you yeah. have questions for Mike. I do. Nice. You okay, to, my eyes. Question. My eyes are blue. Well, okay. I guess I'm gonna have to come up with a different uh, okay. question. <laughs> okay. What's your second question? My second question is, uh, I know that you were in uh, rock band or bands prior to your your teaching career, and there was just brief mentions of that. You know that you would talk about that during choir class, but but we never really got any, any details. So my, my question for you is I want to know your favorite story or your most unique story from, uh, your, your days of, of playing, singing in a, uh, in a rock band. Prior, <laughs> yeah. prior to teaching. Well, there, there, there were two, uh, two chapters involved being a rock bands. One of them was my, um, middle school, high school years, um, which was chapter one. Then chapter two was, in the late 1970s, I played with an R&B band in uh, Northern California. At the time, I was living in Eureka, California, and was with a band called Shellback Rose, which was a phenomenal group of uh, players that had all come from various locations around. Our lead singer, uh, a gal named Trisha uh, Gooch, uh, at that time she was going by Trisha Sanborn. Uh, Trisha had been with um, the kind of semi-professional, well, not semi-professional, the professional group called Up With People, which was a big kind of a, I don't know how to describe it. They were a kind of a choral group, but they had a, a rock band that backed them up, and they played for the, the president, and they played around the world for, you know, they were on TV, they were on various shows, and she was one of the lead singers with that group. Um, she'd also done Broadway shows. We had a guy from Australia who is a lead guitar player, um, Larry. Uh, Larry, unfortunately, is no longer with us. He, he died an untimely death because of a, uh, an accident having to do with some 
equipment. He was a chemist and, and oh, got, got some terrible things happened there. He was a phenomenal guitar player who'd played in a couple of very successful Australian rock bands before coming to the U.S. to go to college. Hmm. Uh, the drummer uh, was a drummer for Robert Cray Band and, and uh, played with B.B. King. He played with a group called uh, Blues All-Stars. Um, Played, played with a lot of the, the blues greats and, and toured Europe a number of times. Anyway, these, these folks all ended up in Eureka at the same time, unemployed musically. And uh, myself and another friend, a guy named Russ Krauss, who was another folky who also had some rock roots, all got together and this, this band happened. And <laughs> it, it turned into a, a very successful band. We, we played all over Northern California. And um, it, uh, boy, some fun stories having to do with there were there were quite a number i'm trying to think of some that i can talk about in a family podcast uh let's see i think one of the one of the best ones was we at one point ran into can't think of the name of the guy the lead, lead guitar player for the band called little feet ah. um anyway okay. he, he lived in northern california and he came into one of our gigs one time and was phenomenally stoned and phenomenally <laughs> drunk and um, he asked if he could come up and sit in. And, of course, you don't say no to somebody like that right. until he got up there and got a hold of one of the guitars, and it became apparent how phenomenally stoned and phenomenally drunk he was. <laughs> so we spent about an hour trying to figure out how to get this very famous guy off the stage. <laughs> wow. Because the audience was not enjoying it, and he thought he was just doing a great time. Oh, no. It was, it was a wreck. So, you know, it's one of those mo – most people have the famous person thing where the famous person does something cool. Yes. Yeah, we had the one where the famous person pretty much had to be carried off by three security guys. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Tell okay. him to let it roll. Yeah. Rock on, how, brother. <laughs> how old were you at this time? Let's see. I would have been 25-ish, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you were playing guitar and singing, or? In that band, I was the bass player, which I oh, wow. loved. I've always I've always played bass uh, starting. Uh, I, I was occasionally the bass player in my middle school band, but when I played in the studio, that I worked for off and on. I played bass a lot because they just needed, you know, 30 seconds for commercials and I could play 30 seconds of bass. Um, but I always loved playing bass. So, I, yeah, for that group, they had three guitar players and I said, hey, no problem. I would rather play bass. I mean, if, wow. if you're doing R&B and you're doing Motown stuff and you're doing Aretha Franklin, man, I'd rather be the bass player anyway. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Okay, good. I, I've never heard any of these uh, pre-teaching <laughs> Rock that's what I wanted to hear. Thank you. Yeah, very welcome. Yeah. The, the only bummer is I don't have pictures. I, I The only picture this group has, this is well before cell phones, is a, yeah. somebody took a picture of us one night when we played a Halloween gig. And so okay. I, I have one picture of the band all dressed up, which I'll send you a copy of. Oh, yes, please do. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Good. Well, are you, so are you still actively playing? Garen, how much time do I have? Or do I, am I going to get kicked off? You've got three... Two, one. <laughs> oh, um, no, you're, you're fine, Eric. He was a nice okay. guy. I'm going to miss Eric, man. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> are you still are you still uh, playing, Mike? Do you still have your garden variety? Still playing. Up? Yeah, we're still doing that. In fact, in the very room where Garen and I are sitting, we had our, our cellist in the other day laying down some tracks to a new recording. We started at the beginning of, of uh, 2020. Uh, we were about four tunes into a new recording, and... And then everything went on hold, and yeah, yeah. During that time, we also became the um, kind of the tutors to help our grandsons through uh, Zoom school for a year. And uh, but we're back, back recording again, and we've actually started booking gigs again, and we're looking forward to it. Awesome. I don't suppose you have a gig coming up uh, next weekend, do you? You know, not next weekend, unfortunately. No. Well, we okay. are, we are going to be coming up your way. I, I will, I'll send you an email with some stuff we've got a couple of things coming up in washington so okay awesome yeah please please do that uh we're going to be in eugene uh next next weekend as it happens ah, but cool. uh, but uh but yeah uh please do send me an email for any any stuff up here in in washington and i'll i'll we'll be sure and make it out excellent well, maybe, maybe we can both be playing that weekend and drop in on one another well, that would be cool yeah. yeah i mean i just pretty much play in my living room these days but you're always welcome to attend a show there. I do a mean bass in living rooms. So I'm really hot. Awesome. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, that's, that's great. awesome. Uh, 
great being able to uh, to talk to you on this. And Garen, thanks for doing this. This is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, you bet, Eric. Thanks for joining us. Great to talk All to you, right. Eric. Take care. Okay. Thanks right. a lot, Mike. See you, Eric. All right. See you guys. So we were talking Wolver. about base, baseball earlier. I do just have right. to tell you that I, in my mental image, even though I, I do know his current right. physical appearance, which is very bearded, makes my beard seem shy and comparison but right i i always remember eric in his pittsburgh pirates uh-huh. baseball cap which i think he probably wore in the shower when he was in school yeah i, I don't i don't think i ever yeah. saw him without his baseball hat on oh yeah He's, he still wears that a lot yeah yeah <laughs> still a big pirates fan so we'll forgive him it's, yeah <laughs> yeah he gives me a hard time about being a yankees fan so wait a minute uh, yeah uh i'm sorry but the, the interview is over <laughs> Did I say Yankees? You said I meant, Yankees. I you meant, meant to say either uh, Giants or Mariners. Giants, right, right. Yeah, Giants, Mariners. <laughs> I got a dear friend who's a Dodgers fan, and she right. knows I love the Dodgers, except right. when they play the Giants or the Mariners. Right. So what about what about hobbies? I mean, I, I, obviously music is the thing, but I mean, is there things that you pass the time with that are other than music? That Yeah, actually, my, one of my biggest problems in life is that I have too many things I'm interested in, which I think is a pretty good problem. But I've always been involved in woodworking. Um, oh. My my grandfather, maternal grandfather, was a uh, carpenter, a Finnish carpenter. And so my, my dad also was very handy and, and did a lot of building. So I think every fence we ever put up, the family put up. And uh, my grandfather built a house one year that I was able to help with and, and help with the cabinetry and then I took woodshop classes in school. I loved, always loved mm-hmm. woodshop classes. And uh, yeah, speaking of swapping with Mr. Harrison, I, if I wasn't doing choir, I probably would have enjoyed teaching woodshop. But wow. photography and video and, and uh, electronics in general is one of my other mm-hmm. uh, big ones, all, all those things. And the um, photography and, and you know digital photography and digital video now has just become a, a passion. Just mm-hmm. love, love doing that stuff. As well as myself, yeah. I, I'm also very f- big on photography. It's once once I stepped into um, once I got a, a, a digital SLR, my whole my whole <laughs> photography world took a whole different turn because the the capabilities of those things is just it's unreal. Yeah. So, well, having grown up thinking photography was dark rooms and right. knowing that it took. An enormous amount of work and exposure to dangerous chemicals to do anything. Mm-hmm. Boy, with the, the advent of digital photography and the the way it's developed over the last 30 years, it's just mind-blowing what, mm-hmm. what a person can do. And it, I think it helps you look at the world, too. I think I enjoy, uh, you know, not that I don't look at it without the camera in front of my face, but it helps you look at the world thinking, wow, that there's some amazing things I'm looking at right now. And mm-hmm. even without the photographer or with the, the camera in front of you, you start thinking in terms of, the visual interest and the visual beauty of what's, mm-hmm. what's around you, which is kind of a, a great byproduct of that hobby. Yep. I have noticed that too, because once I started doing the photography, then I found myself going for a drive with my wife or whatever, we're doing something. <laughs> and all my eyes do is they go to the next photo opportunity, uh-huh. you know, and we got to pull over here because my tripod's with me and, you know, <laughs> so that's, you know, and she didn't mind cause she likes yeah. the scenery too. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing with a, with a good Photoshop program and a good SLR, you can do amazing things. I think Rainbow so. and Carlene could talk about the, we got to pull over problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And you know, speaking of, you know, you, you talked about, it, you could have been a shop teacher, but there were other teachers in the school who shared your, your, uh, your, your music skills and singing skills. Cause you guys, you oh, yeah. te- you teamed up with. Oh, I'm trying to remember See, the name, uh, Mr. Morris. Yeah, Rod Morris. Yeah, and, and, and Harold Gregg. And Harold Gregg, yeah. right? And you guys sang at the talent shows a few times. Um, yeah. I can't remember the name of the songs, but there was a few that were. It was kind of neat, and, and all the students thought that was great that all the teachers were up there singing. But that is one uh, of the unfortunate things about the compartmentalization of teachers, right? From the student standpoint, is often you know a student would look at somebody like rod morris and think aha this is a social studies person mm-hmm. you know he's going to tell me about you know political systems and and paraguay and whatever else he would talk about in his, his history classes mm-hmm. but in fact you know the guy's passion was music i mean right. you know, along with his teaching but and there were quite a number of people i worked with as teachers in any place i worked as a teacher there were always musicians mm-hmm. and actors and artists and whatever else on staff who were known 
to their students as, mm -hmm. you know, Mr. X, the English teacher or whatever. And, uh, you know, oftentimes people going to teaching um, end up there because they have broad interests. But the, the, the way schools are structured, they, they're forced to compartmentalize. Mm -hmm. And, of course, from a student standpoint, it's that one hour of the day, so there's no opportunity to, to discover that Mr. Morris is a, sure. does a great job of doing Eagle songs. Right. <laughs> in fact, I had a very I had a similar experience when I was in college, mm -hmm. and I was visiting my uh, geology professor in his office after hours because he had some – I needed some help from him. So I went into the, the science building and went to his office, and I heard guitar music. <laughs> and it was picking and it was good picking and it was like good back porch blues picking i couldn't tell where it was coming from so i just kept going to his office and then i knocked and the music stopped <laughs> and he said come on in and he was sitting there at his desk with his guitar and i had to me this guy was just a rock nerd yeah you know but here he was picking and he sounded legitimately professional i mean it was great yeah i said i had no idea you know and he, he says it takes my mind off work well, especially, I think, in sciences and uh, computer things in general, it's incredible, the connection. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who is a, a well, now a retired researcher, but uh, worked for very, very high-end companies doing incredible things I can't even begin to tell you about. But he's a you know, doctoral-level person. Mm -hmm. One of the places he worked, though, he took me for a walk when I went to visit him at work one time down the hallway and he was introducing me to people and he'd say, well, this is, you know, Alice Jones and she's, you know, does, you know, molecular photography of broken circuits mm -hmm. and she's a cellist. And we went across the hallway and here's this other person who's doing something fantastic. And he was a concert pianist until he, you know, graduated from doctoral school. And then, and without exception on this floor of all these scientists that were all computer nerds, Every one of them was a musician. I mean, it yeah. was, was like, oh, I kept waiting for one of them who was a gardener, though they may have been gardeners too, but <laughs> right. everybody was a musician. Yep. Wow. That's that's really neat. I mean, people people sometimes can be surprised at at how pervasive music is with, with everybody around them. They have no idea. We um, should force people to wear a little, uh, you know, maybe just have a glow. That would be better. Not, you know, not wear a piece of clothing or something, but just, right. you know, a little glow around your ears or something. It's just, right. This person's a singer and a player. Right. Yeah. I mean, my it hit it hit my son like a ton of yeah. bricks one day, and he was he told me he wanted nothing to do with music. <laughs> and with all the piano playing I do at home, mm -hmm. he was I, that was it was devastating to hear yeah. that he wanted nothing to do with music and how how much I was probably overusing my Spotify <laughs> subscription that he would say that. And then it, it was almost like an overnight thing that yeah. one day he wanted to join band. Maybe there was a cute girl in sixth grade. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but he joined, <laughs> he joined the band or joined the Mart or the concert band at school. Yeah. And it was, it was just at that point, it, it was like a turning point that he's like, this is, this is kind of neat. Yeah. And he just took off from there and he just learned, he literally taught himself piano. He taught himself seven or eight other instruments and so it's weird how music can kind of uh it just takes over yeah so well if, if there's anything i learned from my my teaching music years and also my private lessons i did private lessons mm -hmm. off and on over the years i i became a fervent believer in the notion that everybody is born a musician mm -hmm. and what happens along the way is some people are untaught right or unpracticed in as much as they, and I think that's the bigger one, because they haven't continued to practice. And I don't. I don't mean practice in the formal sense. I just mean practice in the sense of singing occasionally while you're, you know, doing mm -hmm. laundry or sure. walking to school. Uh, if you stop doing it, then you completely lose your confidence. I don't think you lose your musicality, but you lose your confidence to do it. Mm -hmm. And then you start telling yourself, "I'm not a musician." Right. At which point, it becomes true because you don't do it you still right. can you're still a musician but you stop doing it mm -hmm. and that has actually happened with music pieces that i maybe haven't played since i was in high school <laughs> and i'll sit down and i'll and i'll i, I remember that song yeah. and and i put the music up there and i it all looks so foreign how am i going <laughs> to do this and my fingers get up there and i start playing and i like there's so many mistakes and it's easy to get dejected yeah. and my wife's like just no just keep going just a little bit each day. Pretty yep. soon, I'm, I'm, I'm playing the song again. It'll come back. And 
But yeah, you can get into that mindset of I'm not there anymore, but you'll never lose. You'll never lose it. Yeah, well, I think I can so. translate what you just said into some good advice for everybody. Just don't stop. I mean, just keep right. going. Yeah. Yep, yep. And uh, as as a result of my son's endeavors, he has a, he actually has a, a cousin that has bought him a different musical instrument every year for Christmas. <laughs> so his room is, um, I mean, he has a a didgeridoo. He has all kinds of weird finger instruments and. In high school, his teacher used to let him take home an instrument for the summer uh-huh. of his choice. He could choose whatever instrument he wanted and have it for the summer. <laughs> so you know what he chose one summer? Yeah. A marimba. <laughs> there was no room in his room yeah. beside the marimba and a bed. But he didn't care. He had something to bang on all summer, and yeah. it was great. Yeah. No, if you're a musician, that's you'd rather have the marimba than the room. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, that was his mindset. <laughs> I had more fun here than I would anything else. So yeah. yeah. So another question for you. Okay. What about um, traveling abroad? Have you have any stories of Have you gone anywhere abroad that created some interesting encounters? Or, well, I have to say, and this goes back to both school and music. Uh, I think one of the most eye-opening things that occurred in my life and in my education. I was very fortunate in my, would have been the summer, I think, between my junior and senior year of high school Mm -hmm. to be part of a program that happened in the Eugene School District. Um, It was called Bands to Britain. Oh. What they did is they took three bands. It was the Sheldon High School Band, the Churchill High School Band, and the, I think it was the North Eugene High School Band. Mm -hmm. And they spent a couple of years fundraising and putting things together. And they decided to include a token vocal group. And it just happened the token vocal group was from my high school, which was Sheldon High School. Mm -hmm. And it was the Sheldon Dublin Air group, which is the small ensemble. And uh, we joined in the party with all the fundraising and stuff. And um, we got to go to Europe uh, the summer of 1970 Mm. for 36 days. Wow. Which, when I became a teacher, it hit me the enormity of being in on a European trip with you know ninety six high school students for thirty six days, uh, I I don't think as a teacher I ever would have survived that. But um, my, my teachers did, and bless all of their hearts and the chaperones and the other students, and that did become a life changing experience. Uh, we went to uh, England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, um, Belgium, Germany, uh, Sweden, Denmark. And I think that's it. But every place we went, it was like four days and a number of concerts. So we would, hmm. uh, you know, perform in these beautiful cathedrals or sometimes old town halls. Um, once in a while, be in a, in a school chapel. I, it's something that, of course, hmm. as American, you're not used to the notion of there being a school chapel, but anyway, mm-hmm. there are some. Um, but I have, I have to say that that experience getting to understand that the world was a lot bigger than, you know, Eugene, Oregon, was absolutely mind-expanding and Mm -hmm. um, changed the world for me and created some lifelong friendships. That was one of those things where when you're away from home for the first time, away from your family uh, for an extended time, all the people I went on that trip with, I think I'm far closer to than any of the other folks I was in school with it just we developed a very hmm. tight relationship and many of them uh, are still the people i stay in touch with the most but sure yeah that was the first time and then the second time uh took my kids to uh europe with my wife in uh 2001 uh, before mm-hmm. before september 11th but um oh wow yeah had a, had a wonderful trip with with the kids in uh, england and uh, france and germany and uh, also we went to uh, uh, Austria as well. Oh, wow. Austria is beautiful. Yeah, incredible place. So when you went there with the high school choral groups, did you say Ireland was one of them? It was, yeah. So as the Dublin heirs, you sang in <laughs> Ireland? That's kind of a... In fact, that was one of the highlights because we were treated like royalty because we had that name. When we when we sang in Dublin right, and the Dublin town square, we had local news coverage and, and you know, we were all well, sure. interviewed and stuff. It was It was very cool, yeah. And they offered all the high schoolers Guinness. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, at that time, and part of the preparation for the trip was all the parents had to sign off these little waivers because in England, 
16 was the drinking age. Oh, no. So, of course, <laughs> the, the trip rules were such that you had to be with a chaperone. And sure. They were very careful to make sure everyone was you know, very uh, moderate in their consumption, which we all were. But I did right. actually get to have Guinness in Dublin uh, as part of that trip. <laughs> wow. My, my wife did that not too long ago, several wow. years back, actually. Well, actually, she went with her one of her best friends on a... I think they were there for three weeks. They started in Italy and ended in, in Ireland. So they kind of went their way up north. And uh, she said she went to a few Irish pubs where they had she had the traditional Irish food and they had the live music. And yeah. she said some old crusty guy wanted to dance with her. And <laughs> she had the whole, I mean, it was, she said it was really a lot of fun, but Ireland so, was beautiful. So she did get to experience the pub music with everybody singing <laughs> along. And, right, exactly. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, she said, but. No, that was one of the things we discovered I didn't understand until we went, is that in those pubs, which we got to go to, that's the entertainment. Kind of like mm -hmm. me growing up in the car with my family. Right. Uh, some of the pubs didn't have a band, but just people come into the pub with their instruments and their voices yep. and didn't even need somebody playing. Somebody would start a song. Everybody joined in. Wow. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So um, do you have any time in your life where you maybe experienced something where you thought was life-threatening, scary, like you maybe you thought would uh, um, really change your outlook on life? I, yeah, I, I'd say uh, there have been a couple of them. Uh, probably one of the first ones, when I was in Eureka, um, living there, playing with the rock band, I was also, um, actually had a music store there. I was I, one of the guys in the band that I owned a music store together, and we did our days in the music store and our nights in the band. Wow. But um, Eureka, as you may be aware, is on a fault line. Mm -hmm. And by the way, this may lead to a story that <laughs> is more than you want. But mm. uh, there, the earthquakes happen frequently. Mm -hmm. And one of the earthquakes happened. We it was a it was a pretty hefty one. I don't recall exactly, but it might have been like a, a five point five or six or something like that. Enough that's, that it broke things. That's enough. Yeah. And it uh, the store uh, we lost the front window, the glass in the front door. A few guitars off the wall, mm. some things fell off the counters, but the earthquake happened at night. So my my partner and I, well, number one, the earthquake itself was was frightening because we didn't know if there would be more or greater aftershocks. Mm -hmm. The store was right on the waterfront. It's, it's not actually on a bay, Humboldt Bay, but still mm -hmm. thinking in terms of if there's a tsunami, here we are. But then secondly, we're out there in front of our store. Uh, staying overnight on a bench because we couldn't get to any place to buy plywood to cover up the windows. Oh, so wow. we were having to guard the store by just sitting in front of it. And at the time, I looked like most 20-somethings did in the 70s, which is I was very hairy, as was my partner. Mm -hmm. And we're sitting there in front of our store, and two fellas pull up and start shouting things about us being dirty hippies. Oh, man. And we weren't too thrilled about that because we're just... We're just saying, hey, we're here <laughs> guarding our store. Right. And uh, they decided that wasn't a, a good answer, and they came up and started pounding on us, and we thought we were going to get beat to a pulp. Oh, wow. And these guys both outweighed both my partner and I by probably, you know, 50 pounds each, and we're, you know, <laughs> young and healthy. And and uh, fortunately, a police car was cruising and came by before we got bludgeoned too badly. But we, we both thought we were going to be... Uh, if beaten not if to death, but pretty severely. Oh my severely. goodness, and, that's uh, not. So wow. it wasn't. If it wasn't the earthquake, it was the beating that was a bad part about that one. Wow. On that notion, I'm just going to throw in a, a good word for the fact that uh, earthquake readiness around here is something a lot of people aren't thinking about. Mm -hmm. But we are actually in a major earthquake area here where mm -hmm. we live, and we are within about a 50-year window of when a major one's expected. Mm -hmm. And I'm currently, one of my hobbies is working with a volunteer group of ham radio operators who are preparing an emergency communications network that will hmm. function when the cell towers go down. Yep. So I have, I've actually heard of that group. Yeah. Somebody told me about it. I didn't know that you were on that group because I've heard about that being formed. Um, and I actually, earthquakes and tornadoes are something that I kind of, almost a nerdy way, keep, keep track of because mm -hmm. they're kind of phenomenal to me, but... Uh, the earthquakes, especially because of what they've been saying along the Oregon coast about how if that were to hit, if that were to slide or slip the right way and just the right way at the right time, 
it could be a really big one. And so I, I have, I get alerts on my phone when there's a certain level. Um, I mean, not to say that I'm, you know, sitting on the edge of my seat, paranoid all the time, but I just, I just like to know. And some, there was a while back where there were, uh, they had, they had like 15 or 20 all almost in the same area over a 20 minute period. Yeah. And they just kept going. I'm like, Oh, here it is. Here's the, <laughs> but nothing ever happened. But and there's a uh, there's a wonderful document I'll recommend to you and anybody else that state of Oregon put together called the Oregon Resilience Plan, hmm. which explains what the expectations are, right, and what people ought to be thinking about in terms of preparation. Yeah, because if if it if it happens like the geologists are saying um, that it, it could we could lose a bit of our coastline. Well, so. and the coastline is only part of it. The valley part is is not as well known, but this entire valley because it's basically silt becomes liquefied right and just sinks yep. and yeah the, the the valley ends up and and the not not to get overly negative here but we have all of our gasoline storage in portland right is built on silt oh and wow it's, it's in the fault area in mm. portland wow so the ability of us to get fuel um, to the region after a major event mm-hmm. is going to be three to six months yeah kind of scary yeah, I I saw a documentary on that about how there was a guy standing on the sand on the beach, mm-hmm. in his bare in his bare feet, and he said so the camera showed his feet, and he started shivering or moving his feet, and he goes, "This is exactly what happens. Yeah, it'll just sink down just like my feet are." So no, it's uh, it's one of those things to be aware of. Not that you need to go around, as you said, don't want to be scared about it all the time. But no, you should be aware of and and be thinking about having some preparation. Yep, yep, which is good. Yep. Well. Do you have any other, uh, we're kind of reaching towards the end of it. Do you have any other stories that um, people may not know about you? Have you ever been abducted by aliens? or? <laughs> or, or? Um, well, uh, the alien connection I'd rather not talk about because ah. we we are currently abducting others. And, and uh, ah. you know, the surveillance is part of my responsibility. <laughs> I do my best to kind of keep track of who needs to be abducted. And uh, it's kind of fun. Let's see, any other great stuff? I, I don't know... Um, if any marvelous stories, I, I can just say I do feel I uh, I have been a very fortunate person uh, in being able to do the things I've gotten to do with my life. You mentioned earlier not working a day in your life if you right. enjoy what you're doing. And I can't say that there weren't days that were hard. But if days are hard and you're doing something you love anyway, then you know you can do it again tomorrow. And that's, mm-hmm. uh, I do encourage people to always try to find something to do that that you love but understand that even things you love can be difficult sometimes right yeah. i mean you know going back to in, in high school i i noticed even then that there were teachers where i would walk into the class and you could tell that they were just not having a day yeah and i don't think i mean no this is you know 30 years ago or so more but i I don't think I ever remember coming in and not hearing something positive come from you <laughs> when class was starting, other than maybe we were talking too much. But I mean, there was, it was amazing to me that, that we could walk in and you always had something positive, a cheerful smile or something. And that, that spoke volumes to me that this guy likes what he's doing. And it, it gave us motivation to want to do what you were asking us to do because you like what you were doing. So we should too. Well, thank you. It's good, great to hear. Yeah. I got to say that's when it comes to teaching. I th- that was a goal. I, right. One of my best friends, who I talked to before I decided to go into teaching, once said that really the point of the teaching is not your subject matter, but being with people. Right. And choose a subject matter where you want to be with people and that subject matter, but mm-hmm. that's what it's really all about. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember. I mean, we just spoke with Eric, but I remember Eric and. Um, and another fellow, Dennis Hovitt. You remember Dennis? <laughs> I do indeed, yeah. You know he's a chef now. No, where yeah. where do I need to go eat? To- he is in a large hotel chain in somewhere in Utah, but he's the head chef for the <laughs> for the hotel. And uh, I remember Dennis and Eric and I and another fellow, and I can't remember his name, but we got to talking about how we would we would be singing a song, and you would stop us. And tell one of us that we were just a little bit off. We need to be up a little bit half step higher, or whatever it was. And so we decided one time that we were going to purposely sing <laughs> a half step off quietly and see if he would catch it. And you did. And we're like, 
And I remember Dennis looking at me like, what the heck? How does he know that? So, <laughs> I think anyway. it was your face. You, you were wearing your your flat facial expressions. Right. All four of you, you know, were <laughs> facially flat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we had, we had a lot of fun in that class. And there's, I, uh, I contacted a couple other people, but I, I never got a hold of them. But there, I was hoping they would call in too and talk to you. But, um, yeah. But this has been really good. Well, it has been. I I, I, I invented all this stuff. I just want to be clear. This is all fiction. Um, but oh, okay. Yeah. Actually, that abducted by aliens thing, I was implanted by aliens. and uh, Wow, in, I did not know this. Invented the whole family story here, yeah. Does Carlene know about that? or? Well, she's one of us. I, that's all oh, I can say. That's why she's so friendly. <laughs> <laughs> she, <laughs> she actually flies. I don't. Oh. Uh, yeah, she's, she's got the skill. Oh, she flies the UFOs. Yes, indeed. Well, this is right. great. And I'm a little upset with the uh, the military for, you know, finally recognizing that we're here. It's, oh, yeah. Well, they're a little meddlers. What are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. You just <laughs> accept it and move on. Right. Well, thank you, Mike, so much for being part of the show. It has been a joy to come and speak with you and share your life with my listeners. And uh, with that, I'm going to sign off. And as we end the show with Looking Back by the amazingly talented Neil Patton. I just want to say thanks for subscribing, and I hope that you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in supporting the show financially, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash let's hear it. The link is in the details of the podcast. No pressure at all, just whatever you feel led to do. But most of all, I just want you to enjoy listening to someone's story.